Well, welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I am your host, DM Mitch, and today we're joined by none other than Tim Bailey, writer on the Flavor City design team for Monsters of Merca, Restaurants, and Retail. Really excited because within this episode, we're going to be talking about fantasy world foods, and it's going to be a great conversation about how you can focus on them in your games, bring them to life with your players, their PCs, and just showcase more of the world, add some more reality to it. But before we jump into the meat, we have a five-star review from Apple Podcasts, and this one comes from Dr. Cat and is entitled, An Invaluable Resource in Anyone's DM Journey. I actually started listening to this podcast two years ago, back when I only tentatively dreamed of being a DM. As a woman, it is a kind of intimidating crowd to get into. Chris and Mitch gave me the tools and courage to start my own game, and Neil pushed me to step outside of my comfort zone and get creative with DMnastics. I have now run three different campaigns and recently started creating my own world. I have also found the community to be a lot more supportive of female DMs than I originally thought, which I am very happy about. Thanks to the DMB family and to anyone out there looking for knowledge and inspiration, this is the podcast for you. That is a fantastic review. Thank you so much, Dr. Cat. It's so awesome to hear about your journey into DMing and three campaigns in and creating your own world. That's fantastic. I'd love to hear, I'm sure we would all love to hear more about your world and your experience. So of course, feel free to send us an email sometime. One more thing before we dive into the meat, if you are a Patreon dragon, uh, DM Chris has put together some fantastic menus for you to download over on the Patreon feed and use in your D&D games. So head on over, check them out. They're available for you there. Well, without any further ado, let's get into this episode. Let's get into the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? The flat meat back on the menu, boys. So for on this segment of the meat, I want to introduce all of you to Tim Bailey, writer on the Flavor City design team for Monsters of Merca, restaurants and retail. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here. It's awesome to have you. I, I was looking through this a little bit beforehand on the Kickstarter, and I know that there's very little time left, so I got to jump in and support it. <laughs> um, but before we get into what this whole supplement is, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Uh, well, uh, I've been playing D&D since the uh, advanced D&D second edition era, uh, so roughly when I was 11. So 20 years of that. Uh, Finally decided to get my feet wet and jump into writing and uh, uh, submitted a sample with action fiction and uh, got onto this project. And now here I am with that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> this was actually my first time doing any writing and uh, it's, it is wild to see it doing so well. Yeah. 
What did you, what did you, sorry, I know I'm, I'm, we talked about this off air, just improving a little bit, but I'm curious, like, what was, what was the motivation for you to jump into writing after just playing? Was it, you had just done so much writing as a DM that that was just fun and you thought it would be fun to do? I've done uh, quite a bit of writing as a DM and a little bit, uh, just writing stories in, uh, in my academic career. And, uh, I, I saw just because I was bumming around Twitter because, I couldn't really go anywhere. I'm, I'm a very social kind of person, so I like to get out of the house, which is just not happening mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic. So uh, <laughs> nope. instead, uh, I just started uh, going to Twitter for my social interaction needs, which is not the best choice, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's a choice that was available to yeah. me. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, I ended up spotting or just kind of following a lot of the independent role-playing game design community. Uh, found out about the launch of the Monsters of Merca core book, and uh, I signed up to play in one of the live streamed playtest games or demo games to promote the release. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, uh, from there they said, "Hey, we liked uh, we liked what you did on the stream. We liked the creativity. Would you like to submit a sample and maybe write for us?" And the rest is history. And, and then it all the rest came is, together. Yeah. Well, the rest is history in progress. <laughs> in progress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I don't. I don't know what you're talking about be- with Twitter because the internet is a wonderful place <laughs> where everybody gets along all the time. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> all the time. Sure. but speaking about speaking about um, about getting you starting writing and being a writer on this project, can you tell us a little bit about this this project, Monsters of America, restaurants and retail? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the uh, the core book, which you can pick up on Drive Through RPG right now, is it's a lot of fun. It's this fantasy satirical version of the u.s just with as many references and memes as the writers could pack into it (laughs) crammed in with a plunger and uh as a result of how well that did and just how many more ideas the the original design team had they decided they wanted to expand it a bit and just take on different ideas of capitalism and food so we we joked a little bit about uh, the escape from Flavortown meme that's been yes. going around forever. And we decided to make that into a reality. Mm. And uh, we also got uh, Wall Moria and the Hall of Merca as our parody of the Mall of America. And so it's, <laughs> it's three different ones. And each of these settings was created by a completely separate, or each location, I should say, is put together by a separate team of writers. And we all just kind of went nuts with it. So uh, Walmoria has turned into this impressive Tolkien-esque set of mines in a big, bo- big box retail chain. The Hall of Merca is this massive castle city devoted to just little bitty tiny shops. And of course, Flavor City, it's, uh, it, it's, it ended up being kind of an homage both to Flavortown and uh, a certain city that we can't name per the uh, SRD agreement, but its name is uh, very symbolic, as it were. It rhymes with something that we all know. <laughs> that, that class. It, it rhymes with vigil. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love the fact that, like, in some ways it feels like pun meets restaurant meets D&D in some ways like that is and well you've you've just described my entire writing style for this yeah (laughs) which is which is funny because like that feels like the stuff that our D &D community and frankly like the world kind of eats up these puns and memes like 
are our kind of like release for all of the junk that we find in our world and you guys are cramming it into something that people already use to escape the the terrible things that happen in the world around us in a writing supplement featuring other things that people use to escape food and retail like it's it's brilliant we oh yeah we've just combined all of it together and it's great uh by the time folks are hearing this unfortunately it will be a little too late to back us but the backer kit will be opened up once that's all once all the numbers are crunched and collated and put together so anyone who does want to try and pre-order this especially if they want to get their hands on the deluxe hardcover edition with the foil cover which i've seen the artist samples they're fantastic so that that'll still be an option uh i'm actually probably going to talk to jaron and see if i can snag one of those for myself yeah i feel like you uh (laughs) you put in the time to earn it i guess yeah are you gonna sign your own edition (laughs) yeah there you go only only (laughs) if i get the other 15 writers Mm, there you go yeah yeah sorry other 17 yeah there you go Exactly, exactly. Uh, all right. So, Tim, we have a one of the things that we do with our guests is we have a surprise question that you had no idea what it is or way to prepare for. Uh, just to keep you on your feet a little I'm ready bit. For you. This one comes from our patron dragon, Jared Arteche. Uh, so, here's the question You somehow avoid dying as an adventurer, which, let's be honest, is super difficult to do, uh, and are ready to retire. How do you, Tim, adventurer, spend your twilight years? Ooh, that. That is an interesting one. Uh, so me as myself, uh, the ongoing joke with the, the writing team, because I play a bunch of different instruments, is that I am just the iconic bard on the team. Yes. <laughs> so I, I suppose retiring from adventuring, I'd probably open up a little tavern, let other adventurers come through and share stories with them. Maybe uh, run an open mic for the up-and-coming bards who want to hmm. hone their skills, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But a nice little tavern and inn nice. kind, of, kind of thing. That, yeah. that feels right up the alley of what you're already writing about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Does the adventure for a bard ever truly end? It's just, you know, you're on the road, and now you're just doing concerts in your own little exactly. tavern, Exactly, right? yeah. It's not a true end of the adventure. It's just an end to the touring. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's let's jump into the topic today, which I was really excited to uh, be able to talk with um, your team and work out uh, this episode, because this episode is something that we've wanted to do for a while, and we were just kind of looking for uh, the right person to jump in. And with this fantastic book that's coming out uh, focused on restaurants and retail, we thought it would be a great time to talk about food in a fantasy world. And so bringing that to the forefront of our discussion and talking about, you know, we're, we're running as DMs, games in fantasy worlds. How often does food um, play a part? Obviously, characters are always going to taverns um, and ordering something. And if you're like me, uh, most of the time you're not prepared with uh, a list of awesome different dishes. And so I think sometimes the food at the tavern might just be kind of an afterthought. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 you order something, some food, like, or you just pull out the same kind of thing. Oh, tur- turkey dinner, cool. Uh, but I think that there's a whole lot of inspiration that we could dive into today uh, for bringing food into fantasy games. So I guess the first thing we want to talk about is ways of implementing 
food into your fantasy games beyond just the fact that you're going to be ending up at taverns in most D&D games, right? So yeah. uh, what are your guys' thoughts on how to make food be implemented into games in a way that makes sense, in a way that brings fantasy foods as the center of attention? So that that's a great question. And it's funny because we actually have a couple of ready answers for that in the restaurants and retail book. Awesome. Uh, and one of the nice things that we went out of our way to do is the restaurants and retail book and the core Merca book are balanced against the 5e SRD. Mm. So while our class, subclasses and our items are a little bit weird and possibly a little bit niche, they're not going to be more powerful or less powerful yeah. than what you're used to using anyway. So if you want to just borrow a couple of items or a couple of restaurants and just plug those in, reflavor them a little bit, <laughs> flavor. Uh, <laughs> so it would be an option. And uh, the Flavor City section, all of us wrote at least two restaurants of the team of six that worked on that one. And each restaurant has a menu of different food items. Some of these food items have magical effects. Uh, Two of mine, for instance, I wrote uh, the Barfalo Wicked Wings restaurant, which has a bunch of different standard pub fare type food. But there's one dish, the Four Fiendish Horsemen, or Four Fiendish Horses, which is four extremely spicy peppers on the wing sauce. And if you eat that, it gives you a temporary breath weapon attack. Nice. <laughs> and its slogan is what? Beer or ale, wings, fantasy carnival games or something? <laughs> uh, we actually do have sports in Merca as nice. well. Uh, Slam Ball is a big one that's mentioned in the core book. So nice, I love it. It's funny that you bring up restaurants because I feel like, like I know when I DM, I never think of what restaurants are in this city or this town that the PCs are going to because it kind of just becomes this thing that at least in my games, well, they're going to eat dinner at the tavern that they're staying in. Mm -hmm. But I love even, like, as a DM, like, you know, I know my players are always looking for the cheapest ta tavern, the cheapest inn to stay in. <laughs> and I love describing the food as, like, oh, you, you pick this cheap t tavern, this cheap inn to stay in, and describing the food as, like, disgusting and gross and, mm -hmm. like, flies are, like, everywhere. And, like... Your, your PCs look outside the window and across the way you see lights and music and like there's this beautiful restaurant next door where it seems like everybody's just jolly and having a good time and the food, the smell of food is just wafting your way. Mm -hmm. Perhaps your adventurers after that long journey want to go and and try some more interesting dishes oh, yeah. than the than the porridge that you're eating right now that doesn't smell too good. Yeah. <laughs> so at that point, they might have a moment of, oh, you know what? I don't mind staying at this in four with uh, all of the the flea bitten <laughs> yep. piles yeah. of hay. Maybe here. I'll go to the maybe it's... I'll go to the plush horse instead of the seedy rat. You know whatever <laughs> exactly yeah or and with uh, with our book we've got uh, you go across the street even if you don't want to spend a lot of money there's you know the taquito chime just across the way and you can pick up something real cheap but filling mm. yeah you know there's there's a couple things when i think about food that i love to incorporate into the game as i think about like myself enjoying restaurants and food like one the reason i go to a restaurant is because i am thinking about 
getting out, blowing off steam, having fun, right? Like going with a group of friends and having fun. So like the atmosphere that I try to create in, whether it's an inn or a tavern or a restaurant is it's something fun. Like people are laughing, people are joking, people are having a good time, like setting the mood in that way, especially if you're in like a major town kind of going to a, a regular nice restaurant. Like I think about that, like I go because I think about the regular like tastes and flavors that I have. Like there are specific restaurants that I go to for a specific thing, right? Like I know that there is a Thai restaurant where I grew up that I will go to and get the same thing every single time because it's the best, it's the best (laughs) thing on the menu. I've had a lot of their stuff, but I will go there to get that thing. Right. So like thinking through a menu of like, what are things that like my players might be able to project on to that space? Right. Like Mm -hmm. could they create pies? Right. Like, pizza pies where they go in and they absolutely love like those sorts of pizza. What's, what's the thing that's going to like enhance my players in involvement in that moment because they're thinking about their mouth is watering because they're thinking about, you know, the, the wings uh, that are there or the um, cheddar broccoli soup that's there or whatever it is like that, that sort of immersion can happen so quickly when you're in a tavern, like you walk in and you immediately smell, um, steak being cooked in the back right like there are some players that are just going to salivate at that there are other players that are like can i see like a different menu like mitch we joke about this when we go to ihop like i love going there for pancakes right every time we go there (laughs) you get a burger i'm not a breakfast person so so in college it was always like it was it was late at night hanging out with the college crowd and it was like oh i got a great idea let's go get breakfast for a late night snack and i'm like i don't even want yeah. breakfast for breakfast what are we doing guys but like so you're gonna go in there and like those are some things that you might be able to personify in that place when you give somebody a menu it might be like hey tonight is breakfast special well there are going to be people that don't like breakfast special right like you don't even have to have a, a a menu that's like labeled for that specific place you just hand them like make 10 or 20 different random generated ones like you can find them online and just pull them out randomly say hey here's the here's the one for the night that they have right like well good well that might be that might be like a player thing but that would be a player character thing as well the player characters are going to have foods that they like and that they don't like and that's kind of a cool little like small little thing that can be brought like to attention that uh most players i feel like don't think about with the exception of one thing that I think opens the door for exploration of this sense is like the game I'm currently running for uh, my my home group. I have two PCs that one of them is a humanoid uh, rhino and one of them is a humanoid panda, and they are both vegetarians. And so they go into the local tavern and get the the meat porridge smacked down on their plate because that's what the dinner is for the night. They're going to go, I can't eat this. Well, that's all that, that they're serving here. So you might have to go out and find something different. Uh, and there are going to be restaurants that are going to cater to um, more types of food. And you kind of get to have a little bit of exploration time with that. Yeah, I definitely love that, especially if you're working with a larger city, just having the ability to force people to kind of go across town and explore, delve more into the city. It opens it up because a lot of times I find big city, little city, players end up treating it the same if you don't give them a reason to treat them differently. Uh, Years ago, I ran a campaign that's funny you mentioned just the idea of people's attachment to different foods. There was uh, the party I had 
had this funny moment because the bard had taken Cook's utensils proficiency and somehow or other he just kept on rolling high every time he went about making just making dishes with it. And uh, what ended up happening one, one session was our ranger decided to go foraging and searching for eggs and the druid went looking for mushrooms. And the end result was they just started making mushroom omelets that were absolutely mm. fantastic for everyone but the paladin who had <laughs> very nearly been taken out by a fungal monster <laughs> in a previous session. So he wanted nothing to do with this omelet. So he's just sitting there eating salted pork while everyone else is eating this just amazing omelet. <laughs> Religiously angry at anything that, like a paladin should be, anything fungal. Yeah. It is now 100%. it is now 100% evil, and I will throw my holy symbol at it every time. One of the things, Mitch, you might have been a part of the campaign that I ran, but like one of the fun things that I did was like I thought about like the breweries and the city that I was around for a long time before I moved, and... And, and this is a regular occurrence too of like, what are the, like a lot of places run happy hour specials, right? A lot of places have like mug clubs and stuff like that. So like, what are the things that like are going to bring your players back? And I, I can't remember if you were a part of this or not, Mitch, but like I had a coaster club that these people had, like this guy was trying to open up, he was trying to open up or open up a brewery. Right. And like he was in this town and these were the first people that walked in and he said, Hey, for these, you know, four people that walked in, like we're giving away 20 coasters that I have like, I think it was like the fat wizard or something like that, where it was like this fat <laughs> wizard on there that was just drunk out of his mind. But it was like, it was like burned into the coaster club and everywhere that they went, like every time they came back to this town, they were like, sweet, I want to go here because my first drink is free for the night. You know, like, of course I want to go back to that place because we get free ale, you know, like those sorts of, I, I love those that. sorts of things are fun. And I love it because of the name. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, but then, but then the guy like followed them after a while, like, because they had created like this other settlement, like in between two major cities and he opened up a brewery there and that coaster was like recognized it. So it was like this thing that started to like turn into like this chain restaurant. So like, that's another thing you could do. Like, are there chain restaurants for fun? in a place right like if you go from like los angeles to like grand rapids michigan where i'm from like you'll know that there's an applebee's there somewhere right and some people absolutely love applebee's you know so like is that a thing like in a town or in a in a nation where it's like you go from one major city to the other and there's a fat wizard on the corner you know that like you get to go to and you're like hey i wonder if it's the same sort of feel as the other one because there's an ale there that i really like and my coaster club will be you know, recognized here sort of thing. So like th those could be fun things too, that could really be inspirational for your players to have fun with in your game. And that's such a good like hook that you can get your players that like, if you, if you can see that your players are like, Oh yeah. Every time we go into a new city or a new town, they're like, where's the next fat wizard. We're going to the fat wizard. Like you've got them to be invested in a, in a specific restaurant I think that's a great and easy kind of segue into an, an, another thing that I think would be a good way to promote food or even like you said, Chris drinks like is make make up some like small menus for like mm. restaurants and like hand them out to your players when they sit down at that restaurant. And if you've got them already that, that you know they're going to the fat wizard. Like you go, go ahead and print fat wizard with the like little symbol at the top of it. So it just like makes it even more real and even more of a cool experience when you hand them that. And they, they're looking at the, you know, the menu and they're like, Oh, I'll have the uh, fat wizard burger. Uh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> like give me that. Like, 
um, the like making a making menus for different restaurants and taverns. Like I think that like is such a cool idea. And of course, you know, you want to you want to go with the like take take the tea bags and make them look kind of like dated because you're in a fantasy world. And uh, but that to me just would be a cool thing if I was sitting there as a player having no expectation of that to be handed a menu you've got me i'm in it i want to see what my character is going to order i'm all about it i want like to look and see like the ingredients described i can't wait to hear the dm describe what the dish looks like i'm so invested (laughs) at that moment i i love the mention of that because you're you're playing so much into the work we did on this kickstarter campaign yeah Uh, one of the first (laughs) stretch goals we offered was we're get everyone who has backed us is getting PDF copies of just menus for every restaurant yes. in the oh, setting sweet. to that's give us handouts for the players because we know players love handouts. Yes. Some of them think they don't, they just <laughs> haven't had good handouts. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't imagine a player getting handed a, a menu for a, a restaurant and being like, Meh. <laughs> whatever like every player i feel like is going to at the very least appreciate oh this is yeah. pretty cool yeah. this is this, cool this is the dm putting in that extra step yeah. yes well because yes, i think exactly. and this might be a segue to the next thing like on a menu in a fantasy world like you can literally put anything you want on there right like it doesn't like we think about you know america for the most part it's like you can go to a restaurant and you can get like noodles and steak or a burger or some sort of chicken or you know whatever it is but like a fantasy world is not limited to the normal staples that we think of like you might find you know cockatrice or dragon or basilisk meat or whatever it might be that could be a really interesting spot for your players to be in like you get to reinvent in some ways what staples are in in the world like it might beef oh, beef or lamb or chicken might not be the normal thing that people eat in that yeah, world that might be rare. You know, it might it might be rare you know domesticated animals not might not be rare. <laughs> might not be readily available yeah. for it to be a regular occurrence you know so like i think that's interesting mm-hmm. like thinking about what sorts of foods could you add that could be weird you know and like is the expense based off of the challenge rating oh, yeah. of a creature you know so like Ooh. You know, is it like how much would a a, a, dra- a poached dragon egg cost, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, and and here's the thing: I don't know if I'm I'm the only one, but as a DM, when my players see something that isn't going to benefit them at all, like a, a eating an egg, <laughs> but they're willing to shill over tons of gold for it, it's kind of this exciting. Like you've got them in a role playing opportunity, and just seeing the excitement, it's like. They're going to eat this egg. They're going to talk about it. They're going to walk away from the table being like, ah, my character ate a, a poached dragon egg tonight. Um, but they're not walking away with a sword that does plus 10 fire damage uh, that like every player, of course, is like, oh, yeah, that's cool mechanical thing. But I don't know when you when you have that player's eyes light up and they're like a thousand gold for a poached dragon egg. Fork fork that money over. Yeah. We're, we're in. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, you get them invested. You get them started to think in the world. They're thinking, you know what? Mm-hmm. Do I want to be that guy who can says, yeah, I had a poached dragon egg. I absolutely Yo, want yeah. to be that yeah, guy yeah, who exactly. says, yes, <laughs> I have the poached dragon egg. 
especially the guy who wants to retire someday as a bard and tell all of these crazy stories, right, Tim? Like, you <laughs> exactly. want to be able to say that 100%. in your tavern someday. <laughs> well, then then he's writing down in his journal, when I open up that tavern, it's got to have Poached Dragon. Well, and then it's going mean, to be on there. I might even pay some adventurers to go out, hey, there's a dragon up there. Bring me eggs. Seriously, I'll I mean, I mean it might egg. be. I mean, this whole <laughs> idea of food does open up the opportunity for tons of adventure hooks. Like, especially if you're doing a, a more sandboxy sort of thing. Like, you could walk in and see the menu and be like, "Whoa, that like you know whatever challenge rating three monster meat is like ridiculously priced. Why is that? Well, because it's in such limited supply. Or you might see like out of stock." you know, on the, on the tavern sheet. And it might give the players an opportunity to say like, Hey, I noticed you were out of stock of this. Like, do you have anybody going out to get this? Do you want us to go and find this? Right? Like then it leads them to this cavern somewhere where they have to go and wander into, to get more like chimera meat or whatever, you know, it is that they need for the menu (laughs) that like they now are getting paid for by this cook who they now become friends with. And you know, like there's so many opportunities when you, spread out or not spread out but like when you open up the possibilities of what food can do in the world it can open up a lot of different opportunities for role playing for your players absolutely well it's also being a a huge dive into region that you're playing in and cultures that are around you because like i think chris you you brought up like cockatrice right At, at a certain point like if you're in a region that cockatrice are like all over then it might be very cheap on the menu because it's 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 normal and like people are like oh yeah like I'll have the roast might want to think about moving honestly but <laughs> <laughs> right yeah uh, but but speaking of then maybe you go somewhere else where there aren't cockatrice they have to be shipped in and it might be more expensive but also to get into like the intricacies of of cooking uh, you might like buy a cockatrice like roasted cockatrice from a place that that's not their their native food and you go and you bite into it and you bite down on a pebble because one of the things that they have to do is like if if you're used to cooking cockatrice you know you have to remove make sure you remove all the stones from the stomach you have to make sure there's nothing like that in there and if this is not a food that somebody is used to cooking well it might not be cooked right mm-hmm. and then you got to ask yourselves all right I'm in the dwarven the greatest dwarven city in the world what what culturally are the dwarves cooking? Uh, is that going to be very different than the hobbits uh, in the Shire? Is that going to be very different uh, than high elves and forest elves and just different regions of the world and the different cultures? Food should absolutely, when your players walk into that tavern or that restaurant or wherever they're going to get food, the street street markets, uh, it should totally have a reflection of the culture around them and the region around them. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I love the, the reference to dwarves when it comes to food, mm. because that's, I've seen people tweet about it and uh, even some Tumblr posts get screenshotted about that because the idea of dwarven food is such a funny idea because you always <laughs> see descriptions in fantasy novels describing dwarven food as very bland. And mm. I kind of wondered about that and someone outlined it really beautifully when they described well dwarves dwarves have this greater resistance to poison they've got very high constitution they're very hardy people so what if what you're getting that's tasting so bland isn't actually what they serve themselves normally Uh. what if they know that they eat (laughs) things that will probably kill you most of the time 
And that's their authentic cuisine. The stuff that they serve you is just the stuff that they're pretty sure is safe, you know? Oh yeah, tonight we're, we're having uh, basilisk and uh, purple potato stew. Oh, oh, that that kills humans. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, I, I, I guess I better also make a rice porridge. <laughs> humans can eat rice, right? I, th- I think so. All right. Here's the greatest. Here's the greatest way you implement that. You you hand out those menus, and the dwarven PC gets one menu, yes. and everybody else gets the a different secret menu. menu. <laughs> and you just wait for the players to notice that. Like you know, the dwarven characters like I'll have a this, that's and everybody's not on like, my well, menu. where was that on the menu we were ordering? <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's hilarious. Like to think about because I mean, you can do that with like it's almost like. It's almost like working up a tolerance for spice, right? Like spicy foods exactly. you have to work your way up to. Like you're not you're not going to walk into a restaurant somewhere in our world where it's super spicy and order the super hot thing, right? If you've never had spicy food before because yeah. it will literally melt you from inside <laughs> out. Like yeah. it will it will hurt so many times over. You know, maybe it's the same sort of thing where the dwarves are like there's a different level of toxicity to it, right? So it's like you can get basilisk <laughs> meat but it might be like the older the basilisk gets, the more toxic it is. And that's the, you know, or vice versa, the older it is, the less toxic it is, you know? So you gradually work your way up and say like, I want the mild basilisk tonight, you know? And you might like, yeah, I, I want a three out <laughs> yeah, of five. Three, yeah. Three out of five. <laughs> Just want to warn you a three for me is not a three for you. <laughs> You know, the, the, the classic like restaurant, like, oh, just so you know, you look like somebody who can't handle spice. So do it a little bit less. Well, and, and take this further than like the the normal like PC races. If you if you were going to have players who had a dinner invite from a fire giant, what is their <laughs> dinner going to look like? Like, uh, do we do we drink this lava? <laughs> like, is that what we're? I don't know what to do here. Is, is this is is this the soup or is this to wash yeah. my hands yeah. in? Yeah. Because either way, either no. is gonna kill yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> but lava is the most purifying way of washing your hands. Come on, guys. Yeah. You. I mean, no, no germs survive that. So. Here's the kitty lava drink. It's fake. It's so great to think of fire giants being all about soup being super clean before eating their dinner. I feel like that's the last thing they're probably worried about. <laughs> I mean, they don't really need to. No, yeah, literally everything around them is sanitary all the time because it's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, autoclave the world. Yeah, yeah. But even even with PC races, though, you run into that a little bit. If you think you start getting a little bit weird with it, because Aarakocra and Kenku, mm-hmm. they're they're yep. both birds. Uh, in the real world, from a biological standpoint, birds are immune to capsaicin. So mm. spice, they don't notice it mm. mm-hmm. whatsoever. They're completely immune to it. So they could sit there eating the world's spiciest dwarven chili that involves peppers from other dimensions, peppers straight from a vernus. Mm. And it'd be like Legolas drinking the alcohol in Lord of the Rings. Totally. <laughs> oh, this is quite nice. Yeah. <laughs> huh. You look like you're having trouble. And with if it's that. a Kenku, they may sound exactly like yeah. Legolas. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. who knows? Yeah. I think that's a that's a fun that's a fun thing to think about too. Is just the the ways that food, man, the ways that foods. Yep. This is gonna, I'm going to have to write a whole bunch of stuff down after <laughs> this, like how this works in my world. All right. Speaking of races, though, <laughs> if you're playing in a game of all Warforged, this is not the episode. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> 
different oil <sighs> thickness. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Warforged. I, eat and drink. I mean, there's there's all kinds of ways to play that as yeah. well. If you start getting ridiculous yeah. with it, uh, one of the we did a 24 hour live stream for restaurants and retail, and uh, Jaron, the again the guy who came up with the original idea of Monsters America, decided to play one of our one of our subclasses that we created, the Sorcerer, Sorcerer's Origin. Nice. And he decided to play a Warforged Sorcerer. And the only thing that came to mind is the sauce is in his veins. It's not like he needs blood anyway, right? So it's... <laughs> well, then you get into, like, is he the Beethoven of mages or of, like, chefs because, like, do Warforged taste anything? Or how does he know that this actually works? You know, like, Beethoven couldn't hear and he <laughs> created beautiful music. Does he just know? That... Or maybe it's complex calculations. Maybe yeah. he, he knows the precise level of every ingredient that goes into the sauce. And it's always perfect. Always. It's just micro measure. Yeah, he's like weighing stuff in his hand because he knows how much it weighs. Yeah. Well, he's very carefully calibrated right. for that. Totally, totally. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. I just took it to the dark place of uh, that that uh, party better not uh, get like locked in a dungeon somewhere because they know which party member they're eating first. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, sure as hell because the Warforge. Because yeah. Well, or the Warforge knows which person to eat first because they can get the most proportions yeah. out of them. <laughs> dangerous. And just tap the vein for a little oh, bit. Of gosh, sauce. dangerous. <laughs> oh man. So many weird ways. Oh to go yeah, with totally. These. Let's just not have warforged mages who create food. <laughs> they're dangerous. We. So like we talked a, a lot about like all, like all these different foods gonna like be a reflection of the region of the cultures around you. I think it's also interesting because we've we've talked a little bit about this with like the poached dragon egg and things like that. But like yeah, in a in a, in a fantasy world, like what are the ingredients that are going into these dishes? And in a world filled with magic, and this is something that I know Chris was like, we have to talk about this, is like, what about like ingredients that are taken from sources of magic, whether it's like a plant that's some sort of magical plant or like what happens when you take like pixie dust and mix it into a dish? Or if you take like the eyes of a gorgon and like make some sort of food with that, and ultimately, I guess what I'm asking is, like, does that then give the person eating it um, some sort of temporary magic ability themselves or kind of boost uh, to it? And uh, Chris and me were talking about, like, this is the idea of, like, food with benefits, right? Like, <laughs> and... We see this a lot in, in, especially in video games, that it's like you see all these video games where you eat a certain dish and you get a temporary boost um, to defense or luck or whatever it is that the game is based off of. Is that something that you could bring into a D&D &D, uh, campaign, a fantasy world, and how would you go about doing that? I, I would say you should absolutely... Uh it might take a little bit of time or you might need to go looking to see if anyone else has already homebrewed something, but I would say there's no reason not to incorporate that in a world where magic is present. There's there, it'd be silly to not figure that you could work magic into a food. If you can make it into a potion that you can drink, why can't you bake it into bread Yeah. or, or roast it into an abyssal chicken again, to go back to Avernus for a second and all these other options. So there's, there's all kinds of things you can do with that. Now, 
as far as how much of a benefit there might be, I would say maybe you've got to think about how are you preparing it? Uh, are you taking whole Gorgon's eyes or are you dicing them up finely, mincing them? Are you boiling it? Are you frying it? Are you roasting it? Are you pan searing it? Are you butterflying it and then pan searing one side and then baking the rest? And I've just gone complete chef mode there. <laughs> <laughs> cutting it julienne so or how are we cutting it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice you know, long thin strips or are we going nice little cubes? Yeah, right. Yeah, I, you know, I think there's 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 a bunch of stuff out there and this was something that I was I've used in the past and I you know, there's always the like cost versus reward, right? Like you don't you don't want to have mm-hmm. something that's like yeah, I I pull out a piece of, you know, meat from a from a cow or whatever and I cook it and then I automatically get like a cure wounds potion worth of like yeah. like that just that seems ridiculous, Why right? would I ever spend money on a cure wounds potion if I could Right. Just, yeah. So like the thing that I've done in the past is thought about like how how can I make something? And a really simple way that I've done in the past is think about like Okay, what does every recipe have, right? Well, it most of times it calls for water or oil of some kind, right, in a recipe somewhere. Mm. So where do we get magical water? Well, the plain elemental plane of water or water elementals, right? So you use like element or, or water elemental <laughs> or water, <element>. water <laughs> as like the catalyst that gives it its magical properties, right? You can get various different concentrations of it for sale so that like if you want like something that'll do an effect of like fire breathing, you get a creature that breathes fire. And if you want a higher concentration of it, the concentration of water elemental, like water will cost you a fortune, but you can do it, right? Like, so there's all those sorts of things that you can think about. Like, do I add a catalyst that costs money to the food, right? Is that the sort of thing? Like, and it might be a little bit hard, but it's it's a different type of fun thing to add instead of just like, I always get a potion, right? because let's be real sometimes we forget to buy potions when we go (laughs) go into towns but like (laughs) i might be somebody who's interested in cooking and just have this elemental water that i don't normally do anything with but in this moment we forgot about this i can cook us a meal to to take care of this right so there's that way to do it there's also one that i was reading the other day that was like it depends on like the rarity of the creatures like the challenge rating that you have right and that this person had like a whole bunch of dishes that they they had created based off of this and there's a whole calculation to it but like depending on the challenge rating of the creature or the um material that you're finding it gives you a higher benefit and there's like challenge ratings that go with actually cooking the food because again you don't just want to make it like you sit down and cook right and you make it because let's be real i've made things before where i sat down and it was garbage and i thought it was going to be great <laughs> right that happens, especially in a world where it's like you're cooking over a campfire. There's so much stuff that could go wrong with it. Like add in, a, add in, a, add in a DC check for it. That makes it a little bit more difficult to get that magical ability that then benefits your players in some way, shape, or form. But I think like in Skyrim, this was a thing. I'm playing through Skyrim again, so I might reference it. Like there's the alchemy thing in there. There's cooking things that will help. Like there's so much fun stuff that like I now go through that game and I collect as many ingredients as I can find walking around. I'm like purple mountain flower. Great. You're useful for me somehow, you know, like random mushroom I find on a dead plant in a cave. Great. That's going to help me somehow. I don't know how, but it will at some point in time, like the benefits that come from food in a fantasy world, I think are just endless and, and you can sit down and make stuff up. But there are, there are, like you said, Tim, there are, there are supplements out there that you can go and find if somebody is really interested in that sort of oh, yeah. adding food with benefits. Because 
it would take a long time to come up with all of those <laughs> dishes. And if you don't have all the time in the world to do it, but want to have that be fun, there are there are tons of ways you can do it. Absolutely. I'm sure there's at least three or four on DM's Guild alone. It's so many more on Drive Through RPG. Uh, GM's Binder is probably going to have a couple dozen of totally. just things that uh, folks have homebrewed. Reddit is going to be a treasure trove of that. Yep. All of those uh, places I looked, and, even, and they're all there. All there. <laughs> yeah. And even uh, one other thing that uh, that kind of ties on to that, even if you're just working with mundane ingredients and just having someone attempt to make uh, anywhere from a good to a bad dish, just working over a campfire, even if they don't have anything special, uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything, page 80, the description of Cook's Utensils, mm. actually has a little bit of a DC description there. So what you can do there is use that as a template and then if you are looking at ingredients that oh well this is kind of rare and kind of delicate it's going to be a bit more difficult so this is going to add three to that difficulty check or it's going to add five to that mm -hmm. difficulty check because good luck uh and if you screw it up you're poisoning someone <laughs> yeah i mean seriously like that is that yeah. is the truth like if you fail it bad enough like I went to a convention in San Diego and three quarters of the thousand people that were there got food poisoning because somebody like messed up somewhere in the kitchen and like that could realistically happen to your entire party where they now like, like yeah, take that and throw pixie dust into yeah, that. Like, I mean, I mean, and it could be way yeah, worse. I mean, so like realistically <laughs> you yeah. think about like your dinner meal and you cook it and it fails. Well, you're going to be up all night, like up chucking or whatever. Like you now have a point of exhaustion the next day because you didn't sleep at all. Right. Like, and then your players yeah. are like, dude, don't ever cook something for us again. Like you are the worst <laughs> cook in the world. And then it becomes a running joke like for the group. Right. That said, that's something that I love is like that we haven't talked about a lot is like, what if you have, I've, I've had, um, I've had players who have said their characters like to cook. Awesome. Like, if that player wants to, you should work with that player to figure out what his or her like ingredients are that they like have on a regular basis. And when they come across some sort of monster that they kill, like uh, you could give them some sort of check to figure out like if there's parts of this creature that go really well into certain dishes. And yeah, that difficulty for cooking could be thrown in there when you're talking about magical ingredients and it could go very, very well and it could go very poorly. But that that adds something that's such a cool uh, element to it. And then you have a player that if that's what they're doing, they're going to be your your gateway into exploring food around the world and the cultures as you walk into cities. And they're not going to be wanting to just chill at the the tavern that has one dish they're gonna yeah. want to go out and check out the cool Absolutely. restaurants well, the why cool would you bother staying food? in the place that only has exactly. the one dish yeah and it, it's funny you mentioned just the one player wanting to be the cook we we actually built four subclasses into this book that are hmm. different variations of that That's idea awesome fantastic like we've got the gormomancers who these are wizards who have an entire new uh, school of magic we created just for this book and it's all food related from a level one spell just to, I can't even remember what we wrote for level one. I know one of them was just to make a copy of an object that's entirely cake. All the way up to level nine where we've got the meteor storm. Of cake. Yes. All cake ran no, no, no. from this the sky. This is great. Meteor oh, oh. storm. 
This is great. We we've since the very beginning of our show, we've had this running joke of a food mage that could create like a spaghetti golem and and all these different things. This is the book if you've liked the talk about the food mage to go and Dude, check. I mean, that out. was like we, that we was literally like, have that. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Gormomancer actually has a spell called Animate Food. That's fantastic. So <laughs> exactly what you've described, we have it in the book. Uh, we've got the sorcerers I mentioned. But the two weird ones as far as uh, a character cook are co- characters who are not actually heavy magic users that are still chefs. Uh, both of our paladin subclasses are cooks. Just of completely different uh, ideas. Because we, we needed to try and come up with something that was an ethos or a reason for someone to connect to food and even build a city around the idea of food. So we created this morality system of flavor versus deliciousness. And it's the idea of flavor is not just what you put in your mouth. It's what you put in your soul. This is the food that brings people together. Deliciousness is, this is what I want for me. It's just for me to enjoy. Y'all can eat just gruel for all I care. This is mine. <laughs> I love the idea of a food paladin being like Gordon Ramsay, who just tells everybody that they're garbage unless it's the food that's made the right specific way. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah. Oh, both of them have a channel divinity that actually involves cooking. So that's, that's that was great. a lot of fun to throw in there. And uh, the deliciousness paladin, I, I went a little dark with that one. That's our evil paladin. Uh, with the name deliciousness. And it's, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the uh, part one of the channel divinities there uh, gives advantage to fighting or taking out a targeted monster. But as soon as you're done killing it, immediately whispers in your mind just start telling you how best to cook that thing that you just mm. killed. Mm. So just took out a minotaur. There's a little voice in your mind saying, "Slow smoke that bad boy," <laughs> which all of this opens up some horrible. <laughs> discussion about what is okay and what is not okay to eat but before we move into our our, before we move into our our homework uh section i I had one other thought uh you know i i thought about like this whole idea of food with benefits and magical food and like our world has like these very like niche like restaurants like uh maybe the two of you will know what i'm talking about i don't know the actual name of the place but i i've heard of this place in chicago that the whole point is like you go in and the whole uh shtick is that the servers all insult oh yeah ed de through the entire dinner <laughs> yeah yeah so um i mean in a fantasy world how do you how do you have these like these theme like restaurants and like you got a wizard who's who a, a saucer that's running a restaurant and every single dish has this funny little like gimmick about it that you get some sort of magical effect and i think that would be a fantastic thing what player is going to hear about that and not want to go to that restaurant in the city when they hear about the fat wizard uh, <laughs> and how that place, like the food will make you uh, float above the ground uh, three inches, like for the next hour. Like it's got like all these different nope. weird dishes. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking of like even Harry Potter where you got like the Weasley <laughs> joke shop, but in a, in a restaurant form, I think that would be. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, I'm thinking of like for the fat. Oh wizard. yeah, the Russian roulette of sauces. It's like you never know yeah. what you're gonna get. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you could either know what you're gonna get here, pick it off the menu, or we have this special dish that all the food has 
like random like effects in it. So it's cheaper. Uh, are you brave you enough? You eat the food and yeah. you roll on the wild surge or uh, sorcerer table. Yeah. Now you yes. sprout a beard of feathers. Here's the que- yeah. Here's the question: Has anybody ever died at this restaurant? You, yeah. You eat you it have and a fireball a is cast form. on your location. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds awful. Oh gosh. All right. Let's talk about homework. So, do we have any any uh, thing as far as like books or podcasts or movies or whatever um, that would be good inspiration for DMs out there wanting to um, dive into this whole idea of making food uh, more than just an afterthought in their campaign worlds beyond we'll throw it out there right up front the fantastic book that everybody needs to check out uh, which is Murica Restaurants and Retail. Make sure you go and check that out. But any other um, sources of inspiration for homework? Uh, yeah, I've got uh, two sources that I, I would recommend. The first one is uh, WebDM on YouTube div- did a video called How to Eat Monsters. Hmm. And they actually talk a bit great. about different magical effects and benefits to eating different kinds of monsters. A lot of the stuff we talked about here, they kind of cover that and work out some of the logistics, some of the mechanics of that. And another weird one, uh, I didn't find out about this until after we were done writing all of this. I I just started reading it this week. Uh, There's a manga called Delicious in Dungeon. And it's it's just this party of adventurers who are flat broke that can't afford to go and buy food. So instead, they're trekking through the dungeon and they find this old dwarf who is teaching them how to kill and cook monsters from the dungeon to be the most delicious possible meal they could imagine. And let's be honest, that sounds like one of the coolest NPCs your players are ever going to come across. Oh, yeah. This random like, chef yeah, this that's just stuck in a dungeon somewhere just waiting for adventurers to come by <laughs> so we can show them how to cook. Yes. <laughs> Yes, we have, yeah we didn't talk about like what these eccentric chefs would be like, but I think they'd be awesome at being. Well, I mean, well, th- this one in particular agrees to join the party because he finds out that they're trying to track down this dragon deep in the dungeon, so he decides he wants to go with them, not because he wants to ha- particularly help them or cares, but because he's never tried. I was gonna say he wants to cook before. it is what he wants to do. Yeah, dragon steak. He is all about it. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I think uh, I kind of have three. Uh, They're more like if you want to get like techniques on like what you might be able to incorporate for flavor in the world, like based on these are all documentaries. Um, There's one called Chef's Table, which is on Netflix, which is fascinating. It looks at like some of the top chefs in the world, how they got there, the types of food that they make, their working process and how they come up with new foods. You can get like personalities to him, like you, like we, or Mitch. It might have been one. Of, one of you guys said like the crazy personalities of the chefs. Like you will get crazy personalities of chefs that you might be able to work into your world through that documentary. Yeah, just take that, take that chef, make him into a gnome, give him a higher <laughs> totally, pitched voice. Totally. Um, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> the other thing I would recommend is a documentary called Cooked, where it talks about how to cook with water, how to cook with fire, and how to cook with the earth um and wind as well so just all of these different ways that people you could the the way the things that he looks at michael paul i don't remember what his name is michael pollen is his name um he works and cooks with he's gonna be so mad when he listens to the show and you get his name i know i even looked it up before i was gonna say (laughs) it and i still butchered it butchered it there we go um so that one is fantastic and then there's one if you want to look at like somebody learning how to cook foods in a completely different culture than than is their own which might like 
give inspiration for what your players will be like in the game. There's one called Uncharted uh, that Gordon Ramsay is a part of that's put on by National Geographic that is fascinating and fantastic and gives you so many inspirations for different types of foods, even in our own world, that we wouldn't think about using that are staples for everybody else in the world. So how to make those things normal, how to cook with them, and he just knocks it out of the park with that. So those would be my three to look at. Fantastic. I I love the idea of taking... Like literally taking a famous chef, making them into a car- an NPC, and like throwing out things that they have have said, um, and seeing if any of your players pick up on that. Like, ah, you watch that show too. You, uh, like, you know, we we uh, did that. <laughs> Yet another reason um, to grab the restaurant's yeah. retail book. Our the Prince of Flavor City is yes. Guillaume Fier. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. Good luck cracking that code. <laughs> I was gonna say Borden Chamsey. Like nobody's gonna know who that oh, is. Gosh. You know. um so for me uh obviously we talked a little bit about especially with the foods with benefits um like how so many video games have it and i guess my advice is not to go and play an entire video game to get but like as you if you are a video game player and you're playing these games uh that are like that i can think of just even a few that i've played recently like monster hunter is absolutely you go and you eat this food and first of all it's the best part of the game because these little cat creatures cook it for you um but like final fantasy 15 the party literally sits around a a fire and you choose the dishes and the dishes give you um different types of benefits Uh, i'm playing dragon ball z kakarot right now food gives you different sorts of benefit benefits just kind of like be aware of that if you are a video game player and just look at that as inspiration as you're playing uh, also, if you head over to YouTube, uh, there is this series that's called Dwarven Kitchen that is all about fancy food making. It, it's something you can look at as inspiration, but even uh, even more so, uh, there's this fantastic cooking channel called Binging with Babish. Oh, and I love that one. You know, yeah, it's fantastic, first of all, but he gets into all these different like dishes that are made from like TV shows and movies and cartoons and books. And there are a, a, a ton of videos that would be great for inspiration, including he does a whole Lord of the Rings series and a Harry Potter series. And like, if you want inspiration uh, for bringing food uh, to the table, as it were, um, man, we, we, we should have done more food puns this whole entire episode. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, it should have just been chock full of We should have cooked some puns. up before we came um, so we knew what we were going to do. <laughs> yes, it, Then everyone yes, could indeed. just rel- relish how many food <laughs> puns we had. Yeah. Uh, but, like, check out Binging with Babish. And honestly, if you really want to go above and beyond, like, you hand out those menus, but you also cook a dish to, like, eat together as, like, your D&D group that is like fantasy foods or you have like a whole feast where you have every single player cook some sort of dish to bring to the table uh, that is is all about like, oh, this is all food from the fat dragon. We're all going to eat it uh, or the fat wizard. It's going to be great. Like that would be a great uh, memory for you and your players. Mm. Well, at the end of the day, dice rolls come and go. People don't remember the stories of the dice rolls. They remember the experiences. Exactly. That's that's the best way to go about it right there. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of experiences uh, to remember, Tim, thank you for joining us uh, on this episode. Um, Where, if if any of our listeners uh, would like to either uh, keep up with 
um, your work or get in touch with you? Is there somewhere they can go yep, to do yep, that? Yep. Uh, so anyone wanting to keep up with uh, the Monsters of Merca setting and all the other stuff that we're going to be doing with that, as well as other products that are coming out of the company, can go over to actionfiction.com. Anyone wanting to see my somewhat dark sense of humor at times, but just keep up with my work. Uh, I'm on Twitter as uh, strato underscore magus, uh, S-T-R-A-T-O underscore M-A-G-U-S. And uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I do post updates uh, of the works that we're doing. Uh, I occasionally post little snippets of things that I've created for this. Uh, the Oath of Flavor was one of the first things I teased and uh, the ice cream monks that we created went uh, went a little weird <laughs> so fantastic make sure to check out monsters of murka restaurants and retail uh make sure to go and follow tim uh and just tweet at him every single awesome fantasy food that you can think of i'm sure 100 i i will absolutely appreciate that especially since i'm already th- I, I i did mention i'm working on the uh adventure path book for restaurants yeah. and retail so by all means, throw so your help food at your job, Tim. <laughs> help, help, help! Uh, enable me to focus more on the story than the mechanics. Yeah, help <laughs> me, help me in my creative block. There we go. There yeah. we go. Awesome, Tim. It's been great having <laughs> thanks you. Thanks again, Tim. Uh, yeah, it's been great so being much. here. Thanks, no problem. Well, we want to thank Tim once again for joining us on this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block. We hope that you as the listener have really enjoyed this past discussion. I know I have, and I know uh, I am just teeming with ideas of different kinds of foods to put into my fantasy homebrew world. If you are also just getting all this inspiration about different kinds of fantasy foods, we'd love to hear about them. You can send us an email at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. If you liked this episode or previous episodes or future episodes of our show, please help us out. Help us to reach more DMs and future DMs out there by giving us a review on whatever podcast app you use it is super appreciated we have a patreon member shout out of the week and this week's patreon member shout out goes to alex alex is one of the powerful cosmic dragons so so thankful for your level of support alex of the show and other block party podcast network shows it's so appreciated we all tremble at the might of the cosmic dragon thank you so much for your support the dungeon masters block is a proud member of the block party podcast network check out other shows like geek wars dungeons and dragons and daughters detentions and dragons and more well that's all that we have for you on this episode of the dungeon masters block the place where we come to talk about the dungeon master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all their people at the table. I'm your host, DM Mitch, reminding you to always keep on dungeon mastering.